the Blackshaw Arts Hour. Ooh, that's a tasty air treat. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blackshaw Arts Hour. I'm Ellie and I'm here with Matt Boothman. Hello. We are very excited to bring to you uh, a sort of normal show um, <laughs> after having some amazing content from Frankie Fightwell for the last few episodes. Have you enjoyed that, Matt? I have very much enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed the the contrast between, because I saw it live. Yeah. So I, I know what all of the sounds looked like, yes. if that makes sense. <laughs> it totally does. So I get this nice extra layer of, uh, you can hear the sounds better on the recording, uh, but I also have the nice thing of remembering the funny thing that it looked like. Good. And if you all want the to uh, relive Matt's memories, you can do so by looking at the pictures of the production, which were taken by the lovely Richard Stratton and are on our blog. So we've got for you quite the extravaganza of film reviews because yeah. I feel like we've got kind of a backlog of, of um, films that we've seen recently. Yeah, we've we've not been in the studio for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have um, the first film review coming up very shortly. Um, we've also got um, some rather bizarre art from Stratton Alex. Um, uh, you'll see. Um, <laughs> and at the end of the show, we've got a mystery announcement. Ooh, if... Both of those things do not have you on tenterhooks. I do not know what would get you there. No, well, good. Uh, So we will start how we often start with a little bit of this. The Matt Boothman Film Review. So good I put my trousers back on. Are we going to have to play that three times this show? I mean, I assume so. (laughs) (laughs) What are you reviewing for us today, Matt? Uh, I've got three things to review, uh, and uh, we can do them in whatever order you like. I choose Solo. Solo is first. Uh, So Solo is one of the uh, Star Wars story movies. Yeah. So Star Wars is in big main episodes. Episode 9 is the next one happening. Uh, but now uh, they have started also doing other films while they're making those ones, yeah. which sort of fill in other little bits of the universe. So that's what Rogue One was. And this is Solo, which is the Han Solo uh, origin story movie. Yeah. <laughs> Han or Han. People in the in the films pronounce it differently, so yeah. I've never been quite sure which is right. I always say Han. Yeah. but I, say, I say, tend to say Han as well. But uh, Donald Glover definitely says Han. Yes. But he might just be being a bit lascivious. Uh, it could be. So, uh, Alden Ehrenreich plays uh, Han Solo, the part made famous by Harrison Ford. Um, I quite liked this movie um, and wasn't expecting to because my, my attitude to it since they announced it has been, I do not need a Han Solo origin story movie. Right. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> because effectively the first movie that he's in is his origin story as a like as a person. Yeah, you, you meet him. He's a smuggler and a scoundrel, yeah. and he becomes like a person with morals by yes. the end. Or like he always had them, but learns to actually live by them by yeah. the end. He he has his character arc. Yeah, and we've seen it. Yeah, so it's like I was kind of uninterested in development before that point because uh-huh. it's like if that was the story of him becoming a good person, is this just going to be him being a bastard for <laughs> ninety minutes? And um, was it like that? Uh, no. 
Uh, they they've actually done a pretty good job of it, despite lots of production issues and direct, oh, really? directors getting fired and, and release dates getting pushed back oh. and lots of reshoots uh, and, and all all sorts. It's been a very troubled production. Oh, I didn't know that. But they've come out with something pretty pretty decent uh, yeah. in in the end, or a, at least compared to the expectations that I had for it. So it's a it's a um, a fun uh, space crime caper. Yeah. Um, with uh, lots of sort of double crossing and uh, this kind of central um, relationship in it between Han Solo and his childhood sweetheart Kira played by um, uh, Emilia Clarke yeah. uh, off of Game of Thrones. Um, so they, they have this uh, sort of origin story where they, they grew up on the streets, they get a chance to escape uh, and go to a new life. Uh, she gets captured, he has to leave her behind and uh, they reconnect years later, and we have this this story of sort of how their paths have diverged, yeah. and, and they've they've become you know they've started with very similar goals and have changed along the way uh, during the time that they've been apart. Um, and so we get um, we get some kind of Star Wars history stuff, like how did Han Solo meet Chewbacca, and yes. how did Han Solo meet Lando Calrissian, and all these sorts of things, which are like it's fine. Um, how did he get his ship? How did he get his ship? Because uh, we already knew that he'd won it off Lando in a game of cards, because yeah. we're told that in the previous films. But uh, you see it happen, and it's like I'm I'm never that bothered about that kind of stuff in these origin films. It's like we were given it in a line, and that's kind of all I need to know. I don't need to see him win yeah. the game of cards. Uh, but it's still that what they didn't do was go overboard with connections to the original films in the way that I thought Rogue One did. I quite liked a lot of Rogue One, but I think about the last half hour of it is just kind of a tick box exercise of, and here's how this connects to A New Hope, right. and here's how this connects to that, yeah. and that, oh, well, we have to have this character in to show you how it connects, and it all sort of lines up and butts up exactly to the beginning of that film. Yeah, I suppose that's why, though, because there was that kind of sense of immediacy in terms mm-hmm. of the links, whereas because this is an origin story, there's quite a long time period between it taking place and the other films that exist, right? Yeah. Yes, there's yeah, there's quite a big uh, gap. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so we don't get uh, any kind of egregious things where it's like, oh, uh, Lando walks through the room and a teen, a toddler Luke Skywalker happens yeah. to be there in the background, <laughs> which is the sort of thing that can happen in these films. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's uh, female characters deserved better. Yeah. So Tandy Newton is in it. Uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge is in it. Uh, as a as a really good character, she's a she's a droid, so she's a mocap character. She's like a droid revolutionary leader. Um, yeah, she's very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, as soon as I, I feel like I've already spoiled it by saying they deserve better you, in an action film, you can kind of guess yeah. what I mean by that. There's a longevity issue. <laughs> yeah, uh, a kind of like oh, we need to raise the stakes by showing that. Um, action can result in actual losses and who who don't we need well that's exactly it isn't it it's kind of felt like they went oh well who where what are our priorities who are our priorities yeah. and the priorities were always the men yeah um so yeah could have done better there um but we get to see uh donald glover's lando calrissian's cape wardrobe oh yeah is, that's a highlight it is good um so yeah, that's kind of all there is to say about it. Really, it's it, it's better than I expected, but it's not a it's not a groundbreaker. Yeah, I I don't really know what my expectations were. Uh, I mean, not not super high. Um, 
but it, I, th- I think I think I partly was never going to be happy with any casting of a young Han Solo because he's such an iconic character and the way that he's played is so iconic yeah I, I just I, I mean not to say that Blokey didn't do a good job. He did, and it aesthetically was, you know, a good casting fit. But I just wasn't wasn't ever going to be satisfied. I think yeah. from that point of view, um, and yeah, as at least I, they uh, didn't just digitally de-age Harrison. Oh my Ford. god, that would have been so bad. Can you imagine? <laughs> just Photoshop all his wrinkles out. That would have been really weird. Uh, yeah, no, I I did enjoy it, but I mean, it was I. I felt kind of flat about it. It's a bit, particularly... a bit inconsequential, right? Yeah. I didn't really care. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> because like you say, we know. We yeah. know what, what he's like and and why he would be like that. Uh, it sort of felt a bit like they went, and let me explain to you <laughs> the detail of that yeah. that you already know. I like that they... That a pitfall I feel like they could have fallen into and that I was worried that they would fall into is um, actually making him heroic. Because when you don't, if you just go by people's impressions of Han Solo and like the way people talk about him as a character, if you hadn't seen any of the films, you might get the the impression that he's actually like competent and cool. Yeah. And the truth of him as a character is he is actually a complete bumbling dweeb who occasionally says fun, says cool lines. Yeah. Yeah. He's just <laughs> arrogant. Yeah. So I'm glad that they they do seem to have understood that the character is not actually competent. He's just, like, lucky and has a bit of swagger to him. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from uh, Amelia Clark's performance because when they reunite years later, basically everything she says and does in his direction is basically going, oh, babe, <laughs> babe, no. Because she has become that very competent, um, like, secure yeah. in her in her position, yeah. and, um, good at what she does. yeah. And he's still picking up odd jobs, hoping to get that, like, one big score. Yeah. And I think what's kind of... What really kind of makes that balance clear is that she not only is kind of top of her game, but she has actually gone through a whole load of stuff that is a lot more complicated, clearly, than what he's gone through, which is war, basically, military training. Um, And so she's changed in a much more meaningful way I think than he has since they last saw each other and I think the way her story ends uh, or doesn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the way the way her her plotline in the movie ends is 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 great and yeah. it, I think it's a sort of a, a good choice the way that works out yeah it did make me that's probably the only bit where I was like ooh what happens next yeah. so yeah if you want a little romp then that's it it ticks those boxes yep Good. Okay. Thank you, Solo. Uh, now we are going to hear how Stratton and Alex reacted when we told them that the art they would be undertaking uh, on this occasion is the fine art of flower arranging. Stratton and Alex do art. Yes, art. Oh. Oh, I mean, it, look, it looks lovely, mate. So, for today's art-based challenge, Alex Strat, we are asking you to do flower arranging. Yes. yes. 
Now, it is absolutely an art. Finally. Finally, Finally yes. It's the, only reason, the only reason you started doing this series, wasn't it? Holding exactly. out for the Flower Ranger. Our time to shine. I think so. So, which, um, which of the many schools do you do you practice? The one with the flowers. Oh yeah, I know it's the famous one. Usually, there is a thing called Oasis that you use, but mm-hmm. we don't have any Oasis. No, well, we don't want to. Do... <laughs> Matt looks so confused. <laughs> so I bet Oasis more than I could is... chew with that silly. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that uh, like Liam and Noel? Do they come along and help? Yeah, good. So Oasis is the no? green stuff that feels a bit polystyrene-y that you can stick flowers and foliage mm. into to create a display. That is more for, I thought, a bit advanced. Um, and more for if you're creating like a standalone display, whereas we're going for flowers at home. Yeah. So oh, flowers Oasis at is home. what I used to use with my nan. Okay, so you've done this before? When I was six. But you've done it before? Well, as I said, with my nan. So I mostly pass her flowers? I pass it, and I put them in where I was told oh, and mostly okay. enjoyed the feeling of the oasis. Yes, it's Isn't lovely. It, like putting your finger Poking in it. it yeah. I was often told not to, yes. to poke it because that can damage its integrity and the flowers can fall out. Yes, yeah, but it is fun. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I decided not to get any oasis. <laughs> it would be ruined in seconds by yeah, two men children. It would. Um, so you're going to be able to select your own receptacle today mm-hmm. on the basis that it doesn't leak um mm-hmm. so i've got a variety of sort of jugs and containers that you could choose to use um and things like bowls as well so you could go for a sort of short arrangement oh. you can do what Ooh. really you know whatever you fancy um and you've already purchased the flowers mm-hmm. so you had a budget of five pounds each yeah and you went to Little, little, yes, but other right. supermarkets are available. Yeah, I mean, no one's sponsoring us, it doesn't matter. Oh, um, so, Lidl uh, is like the nearest place that sells yeah. flowers to Just my house. around the corner, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk us through the flower selections that you made? Really, we stood in front. There wasn't a huge amount of selection, first of all. So there was mostly tulips. Yeah. Mostly tulips. Um, so, I just went with shape and colour. Yeah. Yeah, and That's what shape and colour was that? Um, the Tulip shape, shape of flowers, <laughs> yes, and then the colours were different. Okay, well, so I went, I went with joking aside, joking yeah. aside, mm-hmm. serious time about flowers. So I went with some little white roses. Yeah, I went with some purple tulips. Yeah, and then when I think went with some yellowy orangey tulips as well. Yeah, because I thought those complemented each other quite nicely, and I quite like the look of them together. Okay. Mm. I also went with some roses. I got some red. But again, like I saw what Alex was going to get, and the choice wasn't huge, so I decided I'd just get mostly what he didn't get. Okay. Um. So I got again. Again, I tried to make them. Nicely coloured. And also I know that foliage is important in these arrangements. Yes. It yeah, can't see, always be flowers. No. He's so kind of I got his game up there. I, I got a bunch of roses with mm. stuff that wasn't flowers in Great. it. Great. Yeah, That'll be good. Yeah, he's, he's upped his game there. Very much undercut yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. I, I was told this by my mother-in-law when she was doing the flowers for our wedding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She told me that and said the word pussy willow a lot. Yeah. Which was quite difficult. To <laughs> keep a straight face, I imagine. Yes. It's difficult indeed. I yeah. went away and left my best man to it. And he almost died. As <laughs> <laughs> laughter. I'm now getting worried that I don't have the chops to judge this. Because Strat's talking about like it's important to have foliage. It is. And I'm like, oh, I'm, Contrast. I was just going to yeah. see if it looked nice. Yeah, well, that is, that's kind of the, that's how we judge it. Um, but I'll be able to be a bit more specific about why it looks nice. Okay. 
Um, don't worry. You need just we just need your eyes. I'll just give you the yay or nay, and you can give like the point scores, like in the ice skating. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> like in the ice skating, you're gonna like I regularly judge ice skating. Don't you? Like okay, sure. Um, good. Okay. Mm. So we're gonna only we're gonna be a very short mm. period of time. You've got 15 minutes. Yeah. To mm. choose your receptacle to do your cutting and arranging. See, All the cutting and the arranging. Oh wow. Yeah, everything okay. starts. See, this is why I suggested we should have pulled our money together and bought the ornamental citrus tree. Yeah. <laughs> one just presented that. That yes. was an option, yeah. Yeah. Wow. We could have rebelled bought, against yeah. this competition that we've been thrown <laughs> and into. And unite it together to present a citrus tree. Okay. Yeah. And it looked very lovely. Yeah. You it probably had oranges on it and everything. could have eaten it. A shrubbery. I, it was a bit more a than a shrubbery. socialist shrubbery. Yes, a socialist shrubbery. We should go back and get it. I think so, yeah. Okay, great. Well, you can do that after you've done the flower ranging. So... <laughs> Uh, feeling ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, time starts now. Where can you find Blackshaw? Is it on Twitter? Yeah! That's right, it's at Blackshaw Update. Is it on Instagram? Yeah! That's right, it's at Blackshaw Theatre. Is it on Facebook? Yes! That's right, it's at Blackshaw Online. And don't forget, you can also find Blackshaw at... BlackshawOnline.com Yes! So we recorded that quite a while ago, Matt. How how are you feeling uh, about their chances? Um, so I think as long as they do moderately better than uh, the Monty Python sketch about flower arranging where he just bashes a load of chrysanthemums with a mallet yeah. I think we'll do alright yeah and I mean I did remove all of the kind of heavy blunt objects from the room <laughs> while they did it so um, I, I think I think it will be a level above that yeah the thing you can't tell from the recording is that they are both wearing knotted hankies on their heads yeah them's the rules okay so we're on to film number two yeah let's talk about Ocean's Eight. Yes, please. So, fil- film two, Ocean's Eight. Yeah. Uh, this is the uh, sequel slash spin-off. Uh, well, I suppose there have been several sequels, but yes. reimagining uh, associated with Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Uh, with George Clooney, which uh, which itself was a remake of a, an earlier heist movie, seventies film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is uh, they've given it the Ghostbusters treatment. Uh, Ocean's yeah. is all ladies now. Yeah. So. Um, Sandra Bullock takes the lead as yeah. Debbie Ocean uh, and assembles a crew uh, after getting out of prison and spending her entire prison time planning another heist. Yeah. Uh, assembles a crew including uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, Rihanna, uh, Helen and Bonham Carter doing an Irish accent. Yes. Various other <laughs> luminaries, eight of them. Yes. Uh, there is a bit of keeping you guessing about who the eighth is going to be, sort of. Sort of. There's seven of them for a while. You can kind of, if you've seen any of the marketing, like seen posters yeah. with eight people lined up in a line, you yeah. can kind of guess who the eighth is going to be. They do refer to her, I think, when they're making the plan as like their unwitting accomplice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it a spoilery to say who we're talking about now? No. Yeah. I, I close yeah. your ears very briefly <laughs> if you really don't know. Uh, so that's, that's Anne Hathaway. Uh, there's... Uh, I don't know if I could name everybody because it's like eight people and there's always going to be one you one you forget. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like that game where you put loads of stuff on a train, you put a tea, tea towel over yeah. it and then you have to guess which one's been taken away. Uh, but I think it's a good heist movie. Yes. Is that a controversial opinion? No. No? Good. I, I hope it's not. <laughs> I 
I hope it's not a controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, a a strange one in terms of sort of like Hollywood movie stakes and character arcs and things, because almost in the same way as um, the latest Avengers, like. Nobody has a character arc in it. Nobody no. like learns anything or changes their ways. No. Uh, Debbie Ocean gets out of jail, having spent five years in jail planning a heist, and pulls off that heist super competently. Yeah. And we, the audience, are kept guessing, and some of the other characters are kept guessing, but she is, and I think her performance reflects this, she is 100% in control at every moment. Yeah. Uh, even when it doesn't seem like she is. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a kind of um, uh, controlled, uh, understated performance from her. Yeah. I found the whole thing really refreshing. Just the idea that we didn't have to have the constant pitfalls of, oh, they're about to get caught. <laughs> like, they, oh, someone's going to get their comeuppance. It's just like, no, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of moments as the, as the heist ramps up. That are that I was on the edge of my seat for, but just because yeah. it's like this is a risky strategy. Yes. Like yeah. I can't believe they're doing something so audacious. Yeah. Yeah, and there are moments where you're kind of like heart in mouth, holding your breath. But I don't think at any point there, there's not kind of a point where you go, oh well, this is the stupid move that's going to get them in trouble. Yeah, I mean the the closest we get to that is. Um, so uh, Debbie Ocean and Kate Blanchett's character Lou uh, are sort of clearly old friends, old partners. have have done this a million times before, know each other really well. Um, and we do get a scene where Lou sort of warns Debbie off a certain um, angle. Of yeah, the, she thinks of the she's heist. being distracted by something. Yeah, she thinks that there is an ulterior motive that she kind of morally disapproves of. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if it's morally. I think she's more just like, this is the one thing that could get us caught. Yeah. Um, which is to do with uh, Richard Armitage's character, yeah. uh, who is Debbie's ex, yeah. an art gallery owner, um, member of the Hoi Polloi. Uh, do art gallery owners really go to these kinds of big society events? I've no idea. <laughs> I mean, he he got invited as a plus one, though, didn't That's he? That's true. That is true. Um, so, the... Sort of as I came out of the movie and was searching for things to say for Light and Trade so that it wasn't just, I mean, it's good, it's a great heist movie, go and see it, um, was just that that scene of the two of them and uh, Lou sort of giving her that warning and saying, don't do this because it'll go wrong, yeah. isn't really ever brought up or paid off again. No, she doesn't like do a little told you yeah. so. But I don't mind about that particularly because yeah. the, if there was a if there was if it was brought up again it would be to sort of cause conflict between those characters yeah. and like I don't well, I don't want to see that <laughs> no I quite liked actually the fact that they didn't do this whole oh well they've got to have a bust up at some point yeah um, they, there was just this complete trust mm. in uh, in Debbie Ocean's plan and, and in and in, and in the competence of every member of the team yes yeah everyone had their part at no point was anyone being like oh I don't know if we should let so and so do that <laughs> that's gonna blah 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 it was just like nope these are the things we do. We're just going to do them and be awesome. Um, I really enjoyed everyone's performances as well. I thought the characters were really like nicely diverse and niche mm-hmm. in their own way. And um, plenty of comedy moments, which yeah. were very enjoyable. Yeah, like all of the characters are quite 
I feel like they're quite lightly sketched, um, but I think a lot of the I think the performances brought a lot of depth to them. Yes. Um, like you, you as soon as you, obviously the beginning of the film is the getting bringing the team together kind of montage, and I feel like you get a really good sense of who each of these people is yeah. within the first sort of few seconds of meeting them. Yeah, and without it feeling like they've gone for tropes yeah i mean they have gone for tropes <laughs> in the kind of bullet points of each character but like you say the performances make them feel like they're real not that yeah. they're um just these stock characters yeah and you, you're gonna get you're gonna get archetypes to some extent in a heist movie like you yeah. can have like the the fast-fingered pickpocket and yeah. the the planner of mastermind and the driver and all these sorts of yeah. things but but you're right there's that uh, they they bring more to it yeah. than that. Like I like when they were um, recruiting a hacker, they they even made fun of the stereotypes. And they were like, are there any hackers that are not Russian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hardly any Russians that aren't hackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they kind of, it was a lot of it was tongue-in-cheek. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's just super clever. Like, there's not a lot of um, critique to be had, I don't think like it does what it says on the tin as well it doesn't it doesn't have like a super clever um advertising strategy that then like has a big twist it's just like it's just good um i do think that for like fans of the original um series led by george clooney there there's lots of bits and lots of nods in there to them um particularly the ending hmm. um it, it, partly just what sandra bullock is wearing she's yeah. in the like undone tux <laughs> that you see Danny Ocean in, in all of his um, appearances when he's like coming in, um, at, coming out of jail or going into jail. So there's lots of um, nods to it. And um, I think that, I think it's been treated quite well. Yeah. I think it's, it's a nice, it's a good sharp script as well. There's a nice um, sort of peppering of very short scenes that um, kind of, if you're looking at strict plot stuff, don't need to be there, but add a really nice bit of flavour. And I especially like um, there's uh, any any scene where it's just kind of the the bunch of them hanging out at, in their base of operations, yeah. sort of watching each other work and getting stuff done and kind of being friendly with each other are, are all really kind of joyous to watch. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great fun, yeah. and I I think it's worth noting uh, clearly how much fun they had making it, and how much fun Anne Hathaway in particular <laughs> has with her character because she's often cast in quite um, sort of she's a princess or she's a waif or she's you know these these very prescribed um, female roles, and she gets to really play around with this one and and be be funny. She's yes. not often cast in. She's usually the straight guy, mm-hmm. and she was able to be very mm-hmm. silly in yeah. this one. And there's hardly a ghost of a romantic subplot either. No, no, because it's just not. It's not very relevant. No, they're to... there to. They're there to steal some stuff. Yeah, and boy, do they! <laughs> yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I just hope that that people go and see it and. Because, I mean, when I went to see it, I went to see it with a woman and I would say 90% of the people watching the film were women and it, that's a shame. Hmm. There was a, there's an article which um, I'll drop you the link so we can we can put it in the notes yeah. or, or tweet it out um, to an article about um, the fact that uh, it's good that there are better, more interesting 
parts being written for women and films that are female-led, but that at some point we will have to go beyond this thing of remaking yes. all male franchises yeah. with all women. Yeah. Like at some point you've got to start doing some original stuff yeah. and people need to get start sort of paying Absolutely. attention to that too. And I think part of the the reason that that's happening now is that that I the producers of films are still pretty much middle-aged white men who think that in order to get people in to see a female film that they need to use um, an established, successful um, franchise in order to make that happen. Yeah, and they think that the only established, successful franchises are ones with all dudes. Yeah, yeah, and then they make that the big marketing point. Not look at this amazing film, just look at this film from a franchise that everyone liked, but now it's all ladies. Yeah, I don't know what the kind of interview circuit or sort of the, the, like articles that have been written about Ocean's 8 have been like but I like that um, just going by things like posters and trailers they haven't been marketing it on look it's an all women thing like it's clear that it is because you look at the poster and it's a line of eight women but it's like it's not like the slogan is like now it's the ladies Uh, ladies night (laughs) it's just like the the slogan is just a reference to like now we're going to do a con or something like that yeah yeah, still some work to be done. Uh, good. So recommend. Yes. Excellent. So talking of recommending, I recommend that you listen to Strat and Alex doing some flower arranging. All uh, you have to do is keep listening. Oh god, I'm gonna find out uh, what um, floral massacre has occurred. Here we go. Strat and Alex do art. Oh, yeah. Well, what an exciting task that was to witness. Yep, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Very good. There you go. You seemed a little dismissive of the art of flower arranging earlier. Not dismissive, just completely ignorant of it. Right. I think that would be a fair... From my point of view, certainly. Sure, I mean, not from Strat, who Strat. has years of experience. Years of experience. <laughs> Started when he was six. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Helping my nan. <laughs> Helping his nan. It's 24 years of experience of flower arranging. <laughs> I've had none. 24 years since experience of flower <laughs> Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, you've been mulling it over for those 24, 24 <laughs> yeah. years. 24 years in the making. Silently yeah. honing his craft. Um, so, talk us through your arrangements, Alex. Um, well, I went with some white roses, some purple tulips, and some varying toned orange and yellow tulips. Yeah. I trimmed down the purple ones so they sat lower in the uh-huh. vase than uh-huh. the roses. And then I kept the other uh, variegated tulips at uh, a slightly longer length, so that would be a nice uh, pattern emerging. Yeah. Yeah. And then I kept the white white roses in the middle to sort of come out of the top. Uh huh. And um, you've you've gone for a glass jug as gone the... for the glass jug as a vessel with some leaves being draped yeah. over the side. Um, and I I've removed most of the the the, the rose leaves because otherwise it starts to really bunch up uh-huh. underneath and starts okay. to look ugly. And um, yeah, the the stalks because obviously it's a it's a clear glass mm. jug, so you've got your stalks on display. Mm. Um, look fairly neatly arranged, actually, quite nice. I tried my best. Yeah, great. And Matt, what do you what do you think of it? I, I like the uh, the placement of the the leaves dangling over the edge. Uh-huh. I think that's very nicely done. Uh, I, I like that we've got a bit of radial symmetry going on. Yeah. So you look at it from the top, and it's it's almost like a bloom 
in itself. Yes. That's kind of mm. what I was trying to aim it for. Splays out. It bloom <clears throat> oh blooms. Yeah. Great. Um, Strat, give us a, a chat about yours. So I I chose a blue jug with mm-hmm. what they're kind of feathers on them, mm-hmm. aren't they? Um, it's a much smaller. Yeah. It's a much smaller jug. Mm. Uh, so I and a much more compact one. So I felt like a minimalist kind of yeah. arrangement was probably going to be key to this. So in my arrangement, there are only actually uh, six blooms. Um, there's some white stuff that came with the roses that I don't know. <laughs> is that the technical it's, term? No, no. It's right. baby's breath. Baby's breath. White stuff is its Latin name. Um, <laughs> and then I, I've used uh, a lot of the, the kind of larger uh, green leaves from the tulips to um, create a, a kind of a backdrop yeah. to my arrangement um, that uh, they kind of, the idea was to try and make it look like, um, if you imagine on the left to cover them at their highest point and then kind of cascade down and around. So on the right hand side of the arrangement, they're, they're kind of fanned down and around mm-hmm. is what I was kind of going for and this is something of the palm frond about it mm. I like it obviously they're a lot thicker but you know and this is very much an arrangement to be viewed from a particular angle isn't it yes certainly yes it is viewed from the front this would definitely be put against a wall yeah rather than uh, in the middle of the room kind yeah. of arrangement basically because I've reused uh, quite a few stalks at the back to uh, as kind of structural support for the tulip leaves because uh, they did have a tendency to want to droop yeah, so you've, you've ensured structural integrity. I right? have ensured mm. the structural integrity, yes. There's a kind of a nice little mantelpiece arrangement, yes. maybe. Mm. Yes. Yes, versus Alex's centrepiece, I'd say. I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am impressed that the result is not just flowers plonked in vase, <laughs> um, on both counts. So um, I think Alex has done a really good job with um, thinking about levels in trimming the, the purple tulips different to a different height than the rest. Um I think that the symmetry is very pleasing. Uh, I, I'm i not so much of a fan of the leaves on the vase edge, mm-hmm. um, which I know Matt does like. Um, but it's good to have thought about foliage. I like that it's sort of the, the vessel is, is dressed a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. whereas I would prefer to see the vessel. But okay. I mean, you know, that's just personal preference. Mm. I'll um, remember that for next time. Well, it's just only if you're making flowers for me. Well, no, and that's what I mean. <laughs> for round two. <laughs> Um, whereas Strat's arrangement is is sort of so very precise, um, it it's it's very very thought through, and um, the sort of a complementary slants on which all the flowers sit is pleasing to the eye. Um, so yeah, I'm impressed with both of you, um, but I think Strat's is probably my my favourite. Yeah, I'm pretty much other than other than our our. Already documented disagreement over the fronds. Yeah, front gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Front... <laughs> Which honestly, sounds like you're saying front gate. <laughs> I think, honestly, I think our friendship is in jeopardy over this. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But we'll we'll sort that out off air. Yes, Other than that, I think I, I I echo all your points. And you concur with my judgment. I, I concur with your judgment. Well, then, congratulations, Richard Stratton. Yay! That's for you, Nan. Oh. Talk about the best. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, seriously, mate, that is fucking great. Yeah. F bomb so, great, everyone. Yeah. It's F bomb great. 
If uh, you all have a yearning to arrange some flowers, you can take a little look at our social media and uh, maybe take a leaf out of of, uh, these books here. Okay, we'll leave it for now. Well done. Go on, treat yourself to something. Subscribe to the Blackshaw Arts Hour on your generic podcast resource. You deserve it. There you go, Strat emerges victorious. There were definitely some flowers arranged. They were so arranged. Yeah. Uh, good. Well, um, I can exclusively reveal that the next instalment of Strat and Alex do art <sighs> is going to be a very tense episode. They've got to stay sharp. That's good. Yep. It's sewing. Yay. We've been trying to get them to do sewing for a long oh time, God, it feels ages. like. It's been on the ideas list for so long, <laughs> and then we get to a recording day, and they're like, uh, That'll take too long. Well, maybe we should just put that just next time. Uh, and you can find out why. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the most tense sewing I've ever experienced. <laughs> so, look forward to that. Uh, we are now on the final... Of our film reviews for three, this episode. Three of three. Yeah, three for three. Uh, this is Deadpool 2. Yeah. So many numbers. I know, right? Solo basically means one. Yes. And Ocean's 8, Deadpool yeah. 2. Yeah. Uh, so this is a superhero movie. Yes. Uh, starring Ryan Reynolds. Lovely Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, with less lovely makeup. Yes. That's true. True, true, true. Um, so the, the thing with Deadpool is he is the superhero that kind of functions as a send-up of other superheroes. Yeah, he's an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, an anti-hero and also kind of... There's a bit of parody to him. Yeah. Um, so he will sort of send up the nobility of other superhero franchises and stuff like that. So this one, uh, we are told in voiceover, is uh, both a superhero movie and a family film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the one where Deadpool assembles his team. Yeah. Um, and there's been sort of lots of uh, talk in the marketing and speculation from fans about because in the comics Deadpool is on a team called X Force that do lots of violent assassination stuff. So this is going to be the X Force one. It's about finding finding your family, finding people, finding people to look after that kind of thing. Um, so <laughs> it manages to send up the team the team movie thing yeah. in quite spectacular and bloody it fashion. Really does. Um, the thing with it is, it's the it's the superhero franchise that claims to be sort of very self-aware and knows the tropes um, and knows the cliches and, and um, parodies them all and pokes fun at the stuff with... Uh, pokes fun at other superhero movies that take themselves too seriously. And still the writers claim that they didn't know that it was a well-known thing that they always kill off the superhero's girlfriend to give him motivation. How is that not well known? It is well known. Yeah. Which makes me think either they are... Like, this fact that they're denying it, denying knowing about it, means either they're bad at their jobs because they didn't do their research. Yeah. Or they are lying. Yeah. To cover their asses Because yeah. it's not too much of a spoiler because it happens before the credits. Yes. That they kill off Morena Baccarin's yeah. character, Deadpool's girlfriend... Fiance, yeah. what have you, uh, and there were a, there were a couple of minutes in the direct aftermath of that where it goes all like, 
um, the color palette goes all grey like the DC universe and yeah. he's like stalking through the rain and being all vengeful with his vengeful face on. Yeah. And I was waiting for the punchline because this is Deadpool and it's the movie that sends up the like superhero movies taking themselves too seriously. But then it didn't. No. <laughs> so there's some good bits. There's some good action and stuff and uh, good performances from some of the rest of the cast. I, I still think that um, the Deadpool films do as good, if not a better job of uh, the X-Men than the actual X-Men movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I kind of can't get past that one thing where it's like... It's really bizarre, isn't you it? You claim to be self-aware and aware of all these tropes and yet you did that one. You did it, like the biggest one. It just makes me wonder whether in the writer's room they had you know the rest of it like yeah we're going to assemble the team and it's going to be all about how you choose your you can choose your own family and all those values and and then also have all of this other like parody and hilarity going on great and then they were like oh but but why does he need to assemble a team there needs to be a big reason and it, it needs to be because he's lost his only family that he did yeah. have and it's like why though oh and, and he's he's broody but he he, a man, couldn't be broody without some other kind of influence. No. <laughs> so it has to be floated by. It has to be floated by a different character. It's just. It just. I just think it didn't need to happen. No. He could have gone on a big mission and had to get a team together without that, propelling him forward. Yep. Yeah. And then she could have been in it too. <laughs> yes, uh, she is named after a character who is a superhero in the comics. Yeah. And they just have not gone that direction with it. No, so, yeah, and then, like, like, it's not really a spoiler to say that there's kind of this, not afterlife, but like mid, <laughs> mid-world where the two of them occasionally have a conversation yeah. throughout the film. Which is fine, it's like that's a thing that you can do with Deadpool because he's basically indestructible so he can get yeah. blown up and then he's sort of halfway between living and dead, so I'll buy that. And that's but... fine. But then she's just this wishy-washy, oh, you've got to do what's right, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what happened to her character? <laughs> what happened to her character, please? So, yeah, not very impressed with that. No. So that's that's most of what there is to say about that some of the gags were funny yes I thought it was very very funny um, I really enjoyed all the new characters they've introduced um, I I thought that that was probably the best sort of part of it for me yeah. was the introduction of the new characters I think that um, the action scene which is uh, following a character whose superpower is that she's incredibly lucky yes was great. Amazing. Really good use of, like, a weird superpower yeah. to make a fun action scene that yes. kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yeah, because it made it unpredictable and um, funny, and she's, you know, on comms at the time talking to Deadpool, and he's like, that's not a superpower. And, <laughs> and it's like, certainly not cinematic. It's certainly not cinematic, exactly. I thought that was great. And that's yeah. it, being on top of its game. That's just... the self-awareness that you want from it. Exactly. And then in the back of my head the whole time, though, I was thinking, but I don't understand why they've had to do this oh kill the woman as a symbol mm. so the man can have his day it's just yeah yeah e- literally everything else that happens because it's about like there is this kid who's got powers yeah who is being abused by the system yeah uh and the the film seems to think that the only only reason he would have to care about a child is because a woman told him so told yes. him to and then that was her dying wish yeah and so he has to keep doing it it's like you don't need that to have happened no. for this arc because he doesn't like the kid at, at the beginning. No, 
So you could have that exact same... Oh, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder why they thought they had to put that in. Anyway. Uh, I mean, sure. So yeah. yeah. Some funny stuff, but overall tiresome is my kind of bite-sized review of this one. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, But yeah, I have a problem with uh, the the context that they put the film in, Mm -hmm. basically. Oh, well, two out of three ain't bad. Ain't bad. Ain't bad. All right. Good. Good Lord. Well, I mean, I always do this. Do you have any idea what you might review next? I need to look at release dates, but I think Incredibles 2 is coming up soon. <gasps> oh my God. I'm really <laughs> excited about that, and I hope they don't fall into the pitfall of uh, a follow-up being rubbish, um, purely because they've had so long yeah. to work it out. 13th of July. Yay. That leaves us only to give the mystery announcement. I've been looking forward to this. So, uh, coming off the back of such a fantastic radio play, such as The Final Adventure of Frankie Frightwell, we bring you another fantastic radio play. Uh, what? A what? Uh, we are going to be broadcasting Black Shuck by Duncan Hands. That which, sounds familiar. Mm, so we performed uh, this very funny show at the Wandsworth Arts Fringe in 2016 and then transferred to the London Horror Festival the same year. So, uh, two years later, we're bringing you the radio play. Nice. It's a fantastic comedy two-hander starring Rachel Knott and Alexander Pankhurst. Uh, It's being edited as we speak by the lovely Andy Crane and uh, it will be coming to you on the 1st of August. So it's a it's a comedy, but uh, it transferred to the London Horror Festival. So are there horror elements? Yes, it is scary. So they are two would-be smugglers on a deserted, or is it, <laughs> a beach in Norfolk awaiting a shipment of illicit items. And they get talking about local legend of the Black Shuck. <gasps> which is um, known by many names, uh, including uh, off of Harry Potter, the big, big shaggy dog. The Grim. Exactly. So uh, things get a bit spooky. (laughs) (laughs) So you can expect some scary sound effects. So if you're uh, of a nervous disposition, just bear that in mind while it's in your ears. Maybe maybe listen during daylight hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great for this to be... It, the the houses it's played in were were rather small. Yes, it was a, a kind of an intimate production, so it's it nice was. that we'll be sort of bringing it to more people's ears. Exactly. So if you were lucky enough to see it when it was on a couple of years ago, then this will be a fun refresher. There are a few tweaks for the radio version. Uh, and so if you did see it, it's still worth listening. Yeah, yeah, it's slightly different. Uh, and if you didn't, then this is your opportunity. So from the first of August, you'll be able to be a part of it very exciting very exciting indeed uh so keep an eye on our social media for all sorts of um hilarious content uh including a very windy photo shoot with (laughs) rachel and alex (laughs) on a beach in whitstable (laughs) uh amongst other things so that's that's the latest thing to look forward to uh and next time we will be bringing you of course that very intense arts session where Alex and Strat have the have a go at sewing. Again, maybe be sitting down for that one uh, with a nice, with a nice hours. relaxing cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be in a safe space. Uh, we will be back again very soon. Goodbye. See ya.
You've been listening to the Blackshaw Arts Hour. Follow us on Twitter at Blackshaw Update. Watch us on the Instagrams at Blackshaw Theatre. Like us on the Facebook at Blackshaw Online. And find all the things at blackshawonline.com.